Hey, son, and welcome to Season 3 of the Black Women in Europe podcast. Thanks so much for listening in Season 1 and Season 2. Season 3 will not disappoint. Go to Linktree forward slash Black Women in Europe so we can be social. But thanks and get ready for our next guest. I'm Adrienne, and I'm so thrilled and blessed today to have one of our power listeners Oh, recording with us on the podcast of absolutely amazing woman. Her name is Kristen Lewis, and she's joining us. She's based in Austria. I don't know if I can say she's based anywhere, because when you're an opera singer, the world is yours. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. It is absolutely my pleasure to be with you today. Um, I hope you're doing well. You know, the last time we talked, I appreciate you asking, and I, I wish the same for you. We were in the throes of the pandemic. Yes. Ooh, the throes of the pandemic, the throes of an election. And um, the last beautiful thing you gifted us with was a concert of African-American spirituals. And it was such a beautiful experience. So I'm still, if you can believe it, Riding the cloud of that. That was one of my pandemic blessings. That was uh, that was a oof, that was a very intense moment for the entire world. And I felt overwhelmed and I felt like um, the task I thought I had before me was suddenly inappropriate. And therefore I was so happy that you were so gracious and allowed me to change the program to African-American spirituals, which was the best I could do in a moment of, I felt like there needed to be some sort of healing. And I don't know that I actually contributed toward that, but that was my intent. <laughs> oh, you, you did, you did. It was, it was, I was witnessing something amazing. Um, as you say, it was completely spontaneous. Um, you were in um, sound check or something. You said, you know what? I can't do that. This is what I need to. So it was it was just chilling from beginning to end. So we have that recorded for posterity. I'm grateful. What has life been for you since the pandemic in the world of an opera singer? That whole pandemic turned you creative people's lives upside down. Well, you just said it. it, it the whole world did turn upside down for myself and probably every other artist. It went from a feeling of relative security to absolute imbalance. The entire world of artistry shut down. Every theater shut down. Suddenly, there was no outlet for anyone. And there was inward and outward panic, I have to say. It was, it was incredibly tumultuous. It was difficult. I think that in some ways, very unnerving. It was very difficult. And, but, you know, everyone worked through it. The theaters are open now and things are back relatively to normal. Yeah, but I think that it changed all of us. I think the whole world kind of changed during that, during that experience. Well, you, I, I do know that um, if we didn't know before, we know now how important arts are to society. Yeah. In, yeah. Into who we are. Hello. And to see. Yes. Okay. okay. I'm going to have to do a quick. We'll take a pause. 
No, we'll take a pause because Christmas, yeah. literally, it's a theater in Italy. Italy. Something that's happening in the theater at the moment. I only need about five seconds, five yes. minutes, and then we'll we'll, okay. Oh, I love this life of the diva. We'll be here. We we'll just put you on pause. Thanks. I'm okay, but we're gonna we're gonna keep on going. All right, so five minutes, five minutes. Okay. Okay. Okay, Chris is back. I was just telling her. I think this is so exciting. This is a life, a day in the life. But so tell us. Okay, before we get back to what, okay. where are you and what are you doing? Oh well, at the moment I'm in Verona, Italy, and uh, there is a wonderful, exciting, majestic summer festival that happens here inside of the the actual arena. There, there's an actual arena here from, you know, the Roman times, and they convert it into a performance space that seats. 30,000 spectators every night. And there's a, a whole of open air. wonderful performances. I've performed in this arena several times over the last years. But at the moment, I'm here working on a separate project and actually preparing for a CD project of Verdi and Puccini arias. And there will be a recording and a CD made and then also some, some actual music videos of each, of each aria. So... This is the project that I'm in now, but it's in the midst of all this other wonderful music happening. And so there's constant adjustments that are needing to be made. But yes, um, so at the moment, I'm in the Teatro Filharmonico, which is one of the theaters in the city. It's the primary place for the Philharmonic Orchestra. And it's also one of the places for rehearsals. And it's where uh, one of my coaches and I are working in preparation of, of my project, but there's all sorts of things going on at the same time. So it's a little bit chaotic at the moment, but that's normal. And <laughs> that's normal in the theater. That's normal in the theater. So talk about being back up and in the swing of things. Things are back on with, um, you know, with a meaning. With, I mean, the theater is back up and people are flocking to it, aren't they? Yes, yes. It, it's, things are things are pretty much back and and, you know, there's kind of a renewed sense of joy and passion and vigor. And so it's it's exciting. Everyone is really grateful that things are back. And yeah, and we're just moving forward as best we can. <laughs> now that feeling you just described of joy, is that what drew you to opera in the very beginning? Is it something, a dream you have as a little girl I'm going to grow up and be an opera singer? It's a really good question. I think that I was immediately drawn to music. My mother said that I started singing at the same time that I started speaking. So it's always a part of my life. My family is very musical, though not all went into professional um, performance as my mother and I. But, um, you know, it was kind of like an organic decision. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't something that I determined for myself. It was more like once I reached university, my voice teacher and I just kind of figured out that opera was best suited for my voice than the other genres. So it was, I always, I always like to say it chose me instead of I chose it. And that happened, um, would, would that have been high school 
I'm trying oh, to think. You start getting undergraduate school. Undergraduate school, yeah. I grew up studying piano and singing in choirs all of my life. And when I started undergraduate school, I did the same. I continued with piano lessons, and I, you know, auditioned for the choir. And through that process, it was kind of discovered. Oh, you have a nice voice. Maybe you should consider taking the private voice lessons. And I did that and fell in love with it. And as a junior, decided to change my major to music. I had the intention of, I was an English major with the intention of going to law school and thought about other possibilities. But then I was just like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> music is what's always been there. It's what your passion is. It's what you were most drawn to. And then it seemed like both the easiest decision and the most difficult because then the hard work really started. Being an opera singer is not for the faint of heart, that is for sure. Okay, so tell us a little bit about that hard work. So you're an undergraduate. I can see you being a lawyer, though, or you'd be a judge by now. I can see that. <laughs> I like to talk, yeah. So that's, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, but you know, there, there's, well, I mean, studying classical music. I mean, I'm a, a brown school girl from Arkansas, and I grew up, yes, listening to different types of music, but to really understand, um, music theory, music history, to get into the world of the history of, of, of opera performance, and then really taking, growing up speaking English and having to learn foreign languages and sing in foreign languages and understand the concept of, of style based on each composer, you know, trying to connect with a culture so completely different from anything I, I ever could have imagined being normal growing up. I mean, it's all very all encompassing. So, I mean, it's, you know, but I have to also say, I mean, it, it, is, a, it is, a, is a discipline that is equal to every other discipline. I think that, you know, we are all born with gifts and talents. And when we all, you know, delve into the intricacies of what makes those things distinct, it's a very similar, passion and drive you know and so it's 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 relatable in the sense of just kind of giving yourself over to that which you believe you've been called to do with your life and and just kind of allowing it to kind of guide you forward I had no idea that I would end up living in in Europe but I did believe that I was born with a gift and and that I had enough either determination or, or talent to make it. So I just kept believing in that and, and prayed a whole lot. <laughs> and as I just kept taking more steps forward. And I hear you. And I wonder because I, and I, and I think, and, and I love that you say that because that's true. Everybody it, it is, is, has got to have the fire and the passion, but you say it's as, it's as serious as discipline as any other. But I wonder, mm -hmm. I don't know how much you vocalized maybe, you know, you were going to go to law school, but it maybe it helped you came from a musical family, making that transition from saying, okay, I'm not going to go to law school. I'm going to pursue this career because it's not necessarily job security. But as you said, you knew you were going to make it somehow. You are absolutely right. In fact, you know, my father had a kind of difficult time with it when I graduated from graduate school. And he, you know, asked me, well, well, what do you, what do you do now? You know, so what, what job is, does this ensure you to have? And I had to explain to him, this doesn't ensure, 
it doesn't ensure anything. Actually, having a, a master's degree doesn't ensure anything. It, it just provides me with more education and a little bit more background experience to then go for it and, and basically try. But, but I'm not even really at the beginning. I know we're near the end of investing into this thing. So he, he didn't get it. But my mother, my mother understood. Thank God. And they were both supportive. I mean, I, I have to say that. Um, oh, yeah. uh, both Angela and then also, you know, emotionally supportive because it is a, quite an expensive profession. One has to invest a lot on the front end with voice lessons and coachings and just even, you know, um, application fees for competitions and you know, summer programs for studying and even, you know, buying audition dresses and all of this. There's a lot that has to go into it on the front end without knowing. And and so, it, and, and there's also a lot of rejection in, involved in it as well. So one has to really gird oneself and, and, and be sure that there's nothing else in the world that you'd like to do other than this, because, you know, oh, there wow. There are a lot of other things that require. I mean, you said nothing else. I mean, wow, I, I love that. You said because because you know what, you are giving it your all in all the preparation and then in every performance. You're doing nothing behind in any part of this process. It sounds like it's all or nothing. It has to be that way, and when it isn't, one can tell, and <laughs> one one can tell because it it really is. You know, there is no such thing as perfection in performance. Yet we all strive for it so diligently, and and even in our best attempts, we fail. But one has to give everything just to get into the realm of of, of closeness to that thing. I mean, it's like how it it it's kind of like you know, how can one perfectly describe love? How can one perfectly describe? perfection it's it's not possible and we all try in our way and we all we all fail but but it's in the attempt it's in the attempt of making music that music is actually made it is it is in the effort of becoming that you essentially are and it's in that effort that that we live I guess as artists as, as all of us, wow. I mean, it, in everything that we do, there's a similarity in that, you know. There is, but I have to say you artists take it to another level because you are brave. You mentioned the rejection. Mm -hmm. um, how did you handle your first one? Were you prepared for it? Like, did your mentor or coach say? Because rejection can come in a lot of forms, but when you know that you're giving it your all and you get rejected, yeah. how do you? handle that mm -hmm. well there's the, the two two different level distinctions I, I can find for example when I was in undergraduate school and I did I never forget one of my first competitions yeah I, I went to school my undergraduate school in Arkansas and it was a relatively small uh, department of music at the University of Central Arkansas wonderful professors you know but but a relatively small program and I was I was considered to be one of the more talented ones. And so I think that I had become a little comfortable and I didn't quite know what to expect, but I can say that in preparation for this, this competition, one of my first, I think I prepared, but, but, but in retrospect, not 
as well as I could have. And, and it showed because I didn't win. I made it to, I think, the second round, but then I didn't make it to the final round. And I was upset, but, you know, but okay, I, I didn't, I didn't make yeah. it. But, but I, but being that we were all together, we had to go and, 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 and be present in the audience of the, of the final round. And I remember sitting there and listening to those who had made it. And I said to myself, yeah, their voices are nice, but they're not better than me. I just okay. need to work harder. And so I determined that, no, the next time I have this opportunity in this competition, I'm going to be on that stage because I am, I am as talented as them. I just, and I recognized in that moment, I didn't work hard enough. So this was my own fault. And I determined then this is never going to happen again. I am always going to be on that stage in the final round. And that became my thing. And it, and it happened like this. I was never again sitting in the audience in the final round of a competition throughout my entire undergraduate experience. I, I and so in that, in that way, I understood what I needed to do and I did it. Now, once I started my career with auditions, it was a different thing because you go to different mm -hmm. opera houses and you, and you audition and then you wait. <laughs> Sometimes you wait a very short amount of time. Sometimes you'll find out immediately. Sometimes you wait a, a week or two. And in the beginning, there's lots of rejection and, and, and you don't really know why. Sometimes they like your voice. Sometimes they, they don't. Sometimes they like your voice, but they like someone else better. And so what I learned in that example is that in that case, it doesn't necessarily mean that I wasn't good enough. It meant that for whatever reason, that didn't work. So I had to learn how to just put those experiences quickly behind me and focus on the next one. Instead of focusing on what didn't work, keep striving toward what does. And I and I and I quickly learned that when I was when I was able just to let go of those auditions that didn't work and just quickly start focusing on the next one, then I was able to just kind of move forward. And that also served me well because then I didn't really allow myself to be hung up on the failures but just understand it as, you know, this is a part of the process. And eventually it did work. So I was grateful, but, but it's interesting in retrospect how you have these two different things. I guess to sum it up. In <laughs> well, no, I love, I love that. You're like, wait a minute. I'm sitting here because I didn't prepare. I thought exactly. I had this. And that was an epiphany. And it yeah. was a lesson for you for life, for everything. Yeah. You don't prepare. Ooh, girl, I love that. A and very hard, I love mm, a very hard, a hard lesson. lesson. Well, you yeah, know, I, the positive, girl, I can see your face. It. I can see, and then, like you say, you, you couldn't leave, you couldn't go home. You have to sit there <laughs> in the audience. You know, you can't be a sore loser, and that's that's an important lesson too in life. If you you know, if you fail, you lose. You can't leave. You got to sit there and yeah. reflect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that gave you a chance. You were like, you were reflecting number after number. You were like, okay, wait a minute. You were waiting for them to blow your socks off. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> My feelings were hurt. I was like, no, this is not right. I am not supposed to be sitting in the audience and not on that stage. Yeah. It, yeah, it so stung that, me. <laughs> it stung you. You know what? It reminds me quickly. I can tell you a story. My mother would. Uh, Growing mm -hmm. up, her mother made her take piano lessons, 
And she didn't like it. And her mother said, okay, if you go to this one last one, you never have to go again. So my mother said she ran. She was early. She was a little girl. She was early. Mm-hmm. And she was sitting and she heard someone playing beautifully. Mm-hmm. And then when it was over and the lesson was over and the girl came out, it was one of her classmates. And my mother said it was her. She said, what? If she can play like that, I know I can play like that. Wow. And so she didn't quit. She went on. She's a PhD ethnomusicologist now. She was an organist at our church for over 50 years. You know, total. So it's just so funny, those moments where you see yourself in a different light. So I love that for you. And I imagine that that is, um, you said that was undergraduate. So yes. yeah, your fellas were hurt because at that point, yeah. Okay. Yes. So you, <laughs> I love that story. Oh, I love that story. Yeah. <laughs> now you I I when I asked you to be on the podcast mm-hmm. for today I'm always so grateful but one thing is I wanted you I knew I just knew when I heard the news of Grace Bembry mm-hmm. passing yeah I knew that that meant something to you now I but I didn't realize what relationship you had can you please tell us who she was in your relationship Grace Bembry <laughs> She was, uh, to myself and among my friends, I would just refer to her, her as Amazing Grace. She, she was um, an African-American opera singer that, that embodied everything that myself as a brown little girl and probably all of us who aspired to have careers in performance, aspired to, to emulate. I mean, she was everything, majestic, beautiful, gracious. She was elegant. She was uber talented. She was, I mean, the sound she was able to create with her voice was just beyond. And she went so much further than I will ever, and most of us, because she began her career as a mezzo soprano, and and then went on to conquer both soprano roles as well. She was simply divine. She uh, was she was born in um, she was born in St. Louis, Missouri, and um, she was the first. She was she. She was among the the very first to do many things that 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 African American artists were able to do. Um, she was discovered by her choir instructor. She was one of the first to win one of the very prestigious Metropolitan Opera auditions. She was the first African American performer to sing at the Paris Opera in the 1960s, and then she went on to. Um, she was the first African-American to sing at the Bayreuth Festival, which is the, for those who are familiar with Wagner, his, he has his own uh, festival in, in Germany and it's always his works. Very, very famous. She was the first to do this. She was even the first African-American, at, well, she was the first to, to sing in the production, the very first production of Porgy and Bess at the Metropolitan Opera. She was the first best even there. Wow. Um, so she had many wonderful nicknames, but one of them was she was called the, the Black Venus, but it was because she was the first to sing the role of Venus in the opera Townhäuser by Wagner at the Bayreuth Festival, which is the Wagner Festival. 
Um, and so she just, I mean, was super famous as a mezzo-soprano singing all over the world. And then in the 70s, she decided to take it up a notch by singing, you know, a soprano repertoire. So then she's singing all over the world doing, you know, Tosca and Aida and Salome and Abigail and La Giaconda. It's just, it was incredible that she was so, that it was just possible for her to, to switch. I mean, me saying that these titles, you know, for those who understand opera, I mean, it's no small thing to just sing them if you are a mezzo and be famous as a mezzo. I mean, that is all that 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 most mezzos will ever hope for, you know, to be famous. But then to go and then also become equally as famous, even more famous, for then singing soprano roles. You know, it's like, wow, you know, she. So that's no small feat right there. It's incredible. I mean, can you explain the difference in range you have to have between soprano and mezzo? Sure. Okay. So a mezzo soprano, if for, you know, would be kind of the equivalent. If if you're singing, for example, in a church choir, you have sopranos and you have altos, you have tenor and you have, and you have basses. Well, a mezzo soprano is more in the range of an alto. So it's, 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 not the highest, you know, sounds, but it, you know, it's 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 really a robust sound, generally speaking. And with the types of roles that she sang, it's it's you know very luscious and still high, but not the highest. And then you have soprano, which are generally the highest. And so, but but within these two different voice types, there's so many so many opera roles, and I mean the most beautiful, and then also the most difficult types of singing, you know, roles that are not simple at all, but very, I mean, most of us spend our entire careers trying to perfect the roles that fit in, you know, whether we're mezzo-soprano, but for her to have conquered both, and I mean, just to the point where, this is a singer, for example, where in the middle of an opera, like, so it's not over, you know, but say she has some part in it where she has to sing, you know, a section by herself where the audience would just rise to their feet and not stop clapping. And the opera is not even finished, you know, wow. she, she commanded audience like this. Or, for example, when she sang her debut at the Paris Opera, it was she was singing the mezzo role in Aida. So it wasn't the title role of Aida, but the mezzo role, which is called Amneris. When she came out to sing for her final bow at the end of the opera, they, they caught 30 minutes for her, <laughs> for her, you know? And this was her first time singing the role, first time a black woman on stage at the Paris Opera. And this was her first, her first time singing professionally. Like <laughs> she went to Paris wow. right after finishing her studies. So it's just, it's incredible when you think of and, and it, it, wait a second. <laughs> okay. Um and, and it's not even that's that's not even where it ends. I mean, in the 80s, she was famous for having sung a, um a, an opera in Central Park for 150,000 spectators. And they just went crazy. Wow. I mean, 
and and then um she added even more 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 roles after that i mentioned she was the first to sing Courtney best at the met and that was like in the 80s she went on this fantastic okay so in her prime there were three african-american singers that were supreme there was grace bunbury whom we're speaking about there's leontine price and then another one shirley barrett these were the three i mean and mm -hmm. they were they were equally famous and there was a, a concert tour that Grace Brumby and Shirley Barrett went on in the 80s. And it was triumphant. And they tried to um, poise them as, as being against each other, this rivalry. But it was nonsense. These, these women were. And it, it, was, it, was it was just majestic. And oh, wow. <laughs> go on and on. And Grace Brumby went on to even, she even created, she even recorded, for example, a pop song. <laughs> With, with, um, with Dionne Warwick in the eighties. Oh wow! Can you imagine? Um, let's see if I can remember the song. It's called um, something like "Just Like a Woman" or something like this. But yes, she 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 told the story about how she was um she was a UNESCO ambassador and she was in Germany and she just happened to meet someone just I don't know in passing whatever and and just mentioned that in addition to singing opera she liked other genres including pop or something like this and someone happened to ask oh well who do you like you know and she named a couple of people and she said oh but my favorite is Dionne Warwick and someone said well would you ever consider you know recording something like oh yes of course and it happened. Dionne Warwick was equally excited, and they, they made this recording in the eighties of this woman. Is you know, it's 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 so that gives me chills. That gives me chills. <laughs> yes, I mean, she just I I could really just go on and on, but she went on to um, I think that she ended up retiring in uh, nineteen ninety seven, but she didn't stop singing. She she still did appearances she did still the did the occasional opera she still did the occasional concert um she was given a, a kennedy center honors award uh and then she went on to really i mean I think she, she she started teaching also around this time and continued teaching after this i happen to have been lucky enough to meet her in um 2017, I think it was, Indiana at church. <laughs> just one day, one day, I, she 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 lived in um in Salzburg for many years, and then she moved to Vienna. And it was after she moved to Vienna that we happened to attend the same church, the, the church that I had been attending. She began attending. And I just almost fell at her feet <laughs> when I when I when I saw her that day, and she agreed to um, to instruct me. And so, in the time that I that I knew her, I, st I actually studied Aida with her. I studied some other of my repertoire. I studied Porgy and Bess with her, and it was. Wow! Just even going into her studio, <laughs> I was going to ask, where does this take place? So she had her own studio. 
yes, yes. And one didn't miss the reality that walking into her 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 studio was like walking into some solemn holy place. I mean, it was a museum in that she had pictures with everyone, presidents and the Pope and just every famous conductor and artist imaginable. And she just was the epitome of graciousness and just anything that she said, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like I, I would, I would sing, but more than that, I just wanted to, I just wanted for her to talk so that I could just ingest her wisdom. So it was, yeah. it was, it, it was really, really, really um, beyond priceless to have known her and learned from her and just experienced her and, and the world has truly truly lost a marvel a pearl a precious thing that is not easily replaceable and so she will definitely definitely be remembered and missed and 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 valued and her recordings and interviews and her presence will remain i'm sure forever (laughs) what a beautiful tribute she's what a beautiful tribute and what a remarkable life that she led absolutely remarkable um absolutely remarkable yeah i have chills from beginning (laughs) to end um what a beautiful tribute. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, what's next for you? I know you are back working and that means, what's a typical, is it a typical year for you? You're on the road, I don't know, X amount of months. Um, is it- <laughs> There's not, it's it's always very, very different. You know, one of the, the beauty of, of, of this and the difficulties that, you know, there isn't a schedule that's set. Everything is just kind of, you know, determined by how it goes. You know, the contracts and the, and the productions that 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 just come, and are negotiated. And so it all just depends. You know, there are some times when I'm able to just be home and rest and quiet, and then there are times like now where everything is moving really quickly and just you know, and exacerbated by this horrible heat in Verona. Oh, my Lord Jesus, it's so hot here, but. Um, and so, you know, one just kind of gets into the groove and goes with it. And it's all, it's all wonderful. It's all wonderful. Now, how do you, yeah, for, for your, for what's required of you, what is your, like, do you pay attention to your nutrition? Do you meditate? Do you oh, walk? Yes. Always. Oh, yeah. It, you know, with all of this, one, I, it's different for every artist, you know, it's a, it's about essentially whatever it takes in order for you to, or for one to go and do their best work. For me, it, it's definitely includes a lot of meditation and stillness because um, I still, it doesn't matter even after all of these years, I still get incredibly nervous and it's partially the excitement and just, you know, it doesn't matter how much you prepare, there's still the actual process of being on stage and doing it. And so there's there's this sense of unknown and just kind of having to give oneself over to the music. 
And that can be definitely very scary, nerve wracking at times. And so it's about just trying to maintain a sense of, of calmness, stillness within myself, connected to God. And really, when I'm giving myself over, I'm, I'm trying with all within me for that to be giving over to the Holy Spirit, because woof, otherwise it becomes very treacherous. <laughs> mm -hmm. So how much sleep? Well, that's going to depend on, on when you're performing, but how, how important is sleep to you? Oh, extremely. And of course, there's there's not enough of that ever. But yes, yeah. You know, everything that one can do to be as health as healthy as possible is is advisable. So sleeping well, drinking lots of water, resting enough, um, eating healthily, you know. <laughs> Um, that's easier said than done. <laughs> well, because you can't perform if you have a cold, can you, for example? Absolutely. And, you know, that's probably one of the, the most difficult things about being a singer is that the body is the instrument. So everything is contingent upon the state of being. So if you're in a good mood, then, you know, that contributes. If you're in a bad mood, that can, you know, it takes away from. If you're tired, then the instrument is tired. If you're dehydrated, then the instrument is dehydrated. If you have a cold, you know, then that affects the resonance. So then that means the instrument is also affected neg negatively by that as well. Everything is dependent upon the instrument and the body is the instrument. So Everything affects the instrument. This is why. This is why. This is why I can say many singers are so neurotic because everything is affected. It's like everything affects the instrument, and so then one has to be overly cautious, or you know, or not, or you know, when when one isn't, then you know, one has to deal with the effects of that, or whatever is going on in in, in the life of the person. Of course, then that affects the instrument. So then one then has to adjust in that way as well. So yeah, it's a it's a big mess. <laughs> well, you know, on the other side of that, I wonder well, I don't know if it's on the other side of that. You really get into your role for, for what you're playing, performing. And I don't know that you have to take acting classes. And then do you ever feel spent from um like emotionally drained because you get so into character? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I think that interestingly enough, there isn't, there isn't extra emphasis put on the acting aspects of opera performance, perhaps there should be more, but it's something that tends to evolve with experience. Um, with each production, there are stage directors that, that kind of create a, a general concept for the actual acting on stage. And so it kind of develops throughout that process, but but also, and perhaps this is why there isn't more emphasis in it, it's because one's interpretation of the role is so much dependent upon the individual and one has to balance how much acting does one do to not take away from the singing because one has to always be in full control of one's capacities, their body and, and you know, the diaphragm and then keeping the right amount of support and the head resonance and all these things are so important, equally, if not a little bit more important than the actual acting. And so then one has to adjust the acting so that it's it, it can be comfortable. So there's a lot of things going on on stage at one time. But ultimately, 
the more that one can give in both the singing and the acting, then ultimately it gives towards a better performance. And when you are really on stage with, with other seasoned um, performers, then things can become very exciting and, and spontaneous even, because the better that one understands the role that they're singing, both technically and the acting part, then the more you're able to give and you're able to create the synergy on stage that, that, that the audience is always able to pick up on. And, and then it can be really, really fantastic. But you know, you have some old school singers that just didn't give in at all to the acting. Even people like Poverati, they didn't care about the acting at all. They cared solely about the singing. They would move when they weren't singing or just the minimum because they understood that the people were there to hear his voice and that's what he wanted to give them. And so he let the scenery and the costumes do all of the talking of the story, so to speak. And he just let his voice do everything else and no one was ever mad at him for that. So, that one. <laughs> so it just all just depends. It all just depends. So, okay. Cause I, from what I've seen in your performances, you, you're, you're the complete package. Like you can, and it's not overacting, it's not under. Like like you said, you give it. You could tell you give it over to the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. I just wonder, off of that, are you just like, whew, like you crash? I lo- oh yes. Well, it's interesting because you know, generally speaking, when on a, on a, the evening of a, of a performance, I tend not to be able to sleep that night, and and maybe it's just the adrem- the adrenaline of the entire experience. So I my crashing tends to happen the following day, so, so I'll, I'll tend to kind of be in, in, in bed the whole of the next day. But the night, the night of, generally speaking, I can't sleep. So even even you know when I'm home and I'm alone, you know if there's a performance, generally speaking, especially if it's been some one that that I feel really really great about. But even if <laughs> even if there, it isn't one that um, I feel great about. Still, the the general of the evening tends to make my being able to turn off that night very difficult. So I, I can't speak for others. Yeah. I think it's probably different for all of us. But for me, no, I tend, I tend to be kind of wired. <laughs> yeah, you're still a Mediterranean. Yeah. Well, do you still, were you able, through the pandemic, um, and now that we're on this side of it, um, mm-hmm. Keep up your philanthropic work. I know you had no. something. I did. I would a little bit. We were able to do a little bit, um, but not not so much. It, it it really slowed down because because a lot a large part of what I what I what I tended to do was, for example, fundraising concerts and that kind of thing preceding the actual scholarship. Um, scholarship pro- process and so with that having slowed down yeah it, it slowed down majorly yeah that was a that was one unfortunate thing well yeah because you, you had a scholarship for explain a little bit the scholarship for aspiring well for college students yeah. or undergrad mm-hmm. we to well we tend to we tend to the foundation um that's based in arkansas um it targets emerging artists 
between the ages of 18 and 25. And uh, so that kind of goes into both undergraduate and graduate students, um, those who are full-time um, music majors. Um, music education with the with with emphasis on on voice and we provide scholarships and other resources to them as they navigate that tricky period you know between being a student and trying to figure out what the next steps are it, it all kind of came from this idea or basically what i went through in in, in recognizing that in that transitional period there are a lot of things that emerging artists need they need they need funding for voice lessons and then they also need resources to young artist programs being connected to teachers if they want to study or travel to Europe or even if they just want to increase their um, stage experience you know being connected to people who can help them along the way I was really fortunate to have been given this kind of support when I was going through my own you know transitional period and I just wanted to help someone else and provide something similar to other emerging artists. So that was kind of, you know, the purpose of it and the motivation behind well, fantastic. it. Fantastic. Right. And it was fun to do concerts and COVID kind of put an example of that. But the idea is still good. It's so it's the foundation hasn't been closed. It's just kind of paused. Yeah. Um yeah. And and can um come back because the need isn't going to go away. Kids are still going to be voice majors let's hope right absolutely 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 you know i want to thank you so much for not canceling and doing it on the spot in hot 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 corona um <laughs> while you're working i so appreciate that for giving us a glimpse into your into your life um into a day of your life for that fantastic beautiful chilling tribute of amazing grace as you uh, affectionately called her and mm -hmm. I look forward to yeah just what more you're gonna do you know it's as I say we had talks since 2020 so thanks for coming back around in 2023 um we still love you and are looking forward to seeing much much more of you and your work I'm so glad the theaters are open again and I thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to share a bit of my story and to you know, give tribute to Grace Bumbray. Um, yeah, she is worthy of, of all the recognition that she has received and will continue to receive. And I appreciate your platform so much and what you've done to highlight those of us in, in Europe who are trying our best. You are amazing. And I am very grateful to you and your efforts. Um, because what you what you are doing has not been done, and so it's really it's a gift to all of us that you have accepted this charge and that you are exceeding in it. So thank you so very much. Oh, thank you so much. So have fun the rest of your time in Italy. Thank you so much. All right, you can work and have fun too, right? Can't you work and have fun? Because you, you told yeah. us how hard you work. I just want to know that you have fun too. Well, probably not as much as I, as I should, but yes, <laughs> you're absolutely right that I should. So yeah, I'll take care to do more, to think more in that way. <laughs> oh, good. Big hug, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. All right, bye-bye.
Bye-bye. I spoke about her performance when she changed from Puccini to African-American spirituals. Well, here is that performance now. Ooh, get ready to be chilled and enjoy. Performing arts, I've prepared a wonderful presentation about Puccini and two of his leading ladies. However, as I and all of you, all of us, have been affected by the very strange, confusing, difficult, and heart-wrenching experiences, I believe that I would be remiss to not take advantage of my platform in order to acknowledge those, all of us, who are suffering in one way or another as we face, deal with, and eventually conquer all of what is happening and feeling as if it's crashing down around and amidst us. Therefore, I made the decision today to postpone my Puccini presentation because in my heart, in my soul, in my spirit, I feel called to give my talents in a way that I hope can help others. For that reason, I have decided to change today's program to that of African-American spirituals with the hope and intention that it may help someone. It's as simple as that. Perhaps even just myself. But I hope that you will bear with me uh, with the changes that we've made at the last minutes. And I sincerely hope that you will enjoy it. I'd like to introduce my pianist, Maestro Werner Lemberg, who so very graciously agreed to, uh, to accompany me on this very last minute uh, idea, hope, and expectation of it bringing some level of com comfort to someone somewhere. So we'll begin now, and I hope that you enjoyed the performance. Thank you. 
Thank you. 
I would like to ask a question to those of you who are on Facebook. Are you able to hear the? Uh, are you able to hear the the music? Because some people are saying that they can't they can't hear. Um, those of you who are commenting, it's because you can hear it. I'm not sure. Oh, they can hear it. Okay. Kristen, I think they can hear, but some say it's I'm fading. sorry, I've got a feedback that the tone is not working, but. Thank you. 
you may have noticed that there were moments where I felt a little bit emotional or a lot of it <laughs> emotional. Um, in some ways, I've, in many ways, I've been deeply affected by what's happening in our world today, in my country today, and my heart leads. The thought of over 100,000 people dying in America. I can't imagine the amount of pain that those families are experiencing. And I'm just so sorry. I'm sorry that all of our lives have been affected and disrupted and turned upside down. And I pray for peace every day, for healing for this world. And I know that I'm not alone in that. But I hope for solutions instead of false promises. I hope for healing instead of more deaths. I hope for love and community instead of division and anger. Each of us has the responsibility of doing good things in this world, on this earth, and among each of us. And I hope that this experience will eventually bring us all together because we're all fighting for the same things. We all want the same things. We all need the same things. And so I pray for the day when we are past this. And I know that we will get there. I know that we will get there. My tears are not a sign of defeat. They are a sign of courage and strength because I am willing to fight. There's only so much one person can do, but I will do my full capacity. And I hope that you will as well because ultimately that will speed up the process of healing, of community, of hope, of love, of sharing, of giving, of correcting the wrongs. And so with this last piece, he's got the whole world in his hands. I hope that it will be a sign of it being okay for us to trust that and walk in that, experience that, so that the change will come much sooner than later. I'd like to thank again all of, the, all of you who have joined me today. I'd like to thank Master Linda. I would like to thank the beautiful location of the Bristol Hotel in the heart of Vienna. It is such an elegant hotel and space, and I am more than fortunate that they have allowed for me to present this year. And um, all of you, I thank all of you because I believe that all of us are doing the best that we can.
And so I thank you for being with me today. And I hope that you enjoyed what we have done today. I'd like to thank Kristen for this fantastic experience tonight. I want to unmute us all so we can give her a rousing hand of applause. When we clap together. Yahoo, yes. Thank you so very much. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Much.
Beautiful.